People's Revolutionary Radio. This is JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. Today, we have a special guest, uh, Watani Steiner, revolutionary elder and Cointel Pro survivor. Watani, uh, welcome to Free Aslan. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Joey. I'm always uh, good to be in conversation and in struggle, so thank you. Beautiful. So, Watani, uh, for some of the listeners who may not, you know, they may not um, know who you are or may not have heard of you, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Were you born in the Bay Area? No, I wasn't, Joey. I was... Uh, well, let me just say, my, my conscious life, it began in uh, Jim Crow South in, in Houston, Texas. That's where I was born, and, you know, in a world that's uh, maybe not too familiar today, but I was born in the Jim Crow South, and I can remember the segregated world that I was born into. I remember the separate water fountains, the back of the bus, the, wow. you know, and so I remember that world, uh, and I came to California when I was seven years old with my mother on a Greyhound bus. We went straight to Watts, and that wow. began my uh, my life. So that was a yeah. world that was far removed from my grandmother's praying hands and her protective uh, morality. So you can imagine leaving, uh, you know, the Catholic family that I grew up in and uh, the things that were going on there and then uh, coming uh, to California as a young man. Wow. And, and that must have been... Even before you realized it, it must have been like a good uh, political education course growing up in Jim Crow South because um, you, even as a small child, you know, five years old, you already knew who the oppressor was. You, you, you seen the oppressor walking down the street. You seen the signs that the oppressor had in the windows, you know, and, and, and you know, for some of us... Uh, Growing up in in, in, in in what they call the Southwest, you know, some may not have um, been old enough to experience that, but we had the same thing, you know, no no dogs and Mexicans allowed, you know, they had uh, the same situations, and the Jim Crow, you know, we didn't have Jim Crow, um, but uh, for Chicano people, we had what we called the greaser laws. So it, it, it is very similar. It's just the oppressor nation creating certain laws in order to, you know, keep us, uh, attempt to keep us subservient. But, um, and so I, I just, I, I, I see you um, being in the Jim Crow South and just uh, understanding the oppressor even as a small child, you know, mm-hmm. must have been. Uh, and, and I'm sure you've seen some... Uh, stuff that just, you know, you'll never forget, you know? Yeah. Interesting thing about that, though, Joey, is that as a young child, I grew up in a Catholic family, you know, in a Catholic family, you know, where I believe that the only way that I could get to heaven was to say my prayers, obey mm. God's commandment, and to stay in my place. So it, uh. in terms of the consciousness at that young age, mm. it was, it was, it, it wasn't, the consciousness where I could see the oppressor because he was hidden. For me, in the Jim Crow South during that time, uh, I remember that uh, 
I used to have to go to the back door of Mr. Fontenot's grocery store to buy milk and bread for my mother and my grandmother. Mm -hmm. I remember that they had this segregated beach and that we used to get close to the net and watch the white kids playing on the other side. And it seemed like they were having so much more fun playing as whites as we ever could. So in terms of being a child and looking at, uh, you know, what was going on south, my reality wasn't that. For me, it was a sin to drink from the white fountain. It was Mm -hmm. a sin to sit in the front of the bus. It was a sin to go to the front door. So I looked at it in terms of my reality was through my Catholic faith. And I saw that, you know, and and, and why wouldn't I? I mean, I was a child, so if I saw grown-ups doing that, I saw my mother and my father, my uncles going to the back of the bus. So for me as a child, it seemed like it would only be a sin. And what I did want to do as a child, I did not want to offend God. So I, in my consciousness at that young age, I didn't see it. It was only after I came to to California that I realized that mm. it was oppression. But it, I didn't mm. see it as segregation at that time as a young mm. young man. I saw it as in, through my religious eyes. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what religion sometimes has people literally uh, living on their knees in, in some cases. It's just incredible how, um, you know, that's uh, able to, um, you know, get people like that. But let me, let, me, let me ask you, what got you into politics? Hmm. Well, after I came to California, uh, well, let me say, I, I moved to Watts, so that was like a whole new reality for me because it was like far different from, uh, from when I was in Texas. You know, cursory word was, you know, I, for a long time for me, when I was in uh and when I hit the watch, when people would say, uh, fuck you or F you, fuck you, to me, I, for a long time, yeah, long time, I thought that was one word and not two. So for me, the F, the F word was, was something. So even hitting in the face, it was like different. So I had to really to, to try to adjust and navigate through what watch was. Uh, I was seven years old when I married my high school sweetheart. I graduated from high school, and I had a well-paying job at a major aircraft company. I used to work at McDonnell Douglas. Mm. And, you know, and I was about to become the proud father of my first son, and that was Watani Steiner Jr., my first son. And, mm. and, you know, so I was on my way to becoming, you know, your typical American citizen. I, was, mm. I wanted to be a part of this, this society. You know, all I needed was a house, a white picket fence, and an obedient dog. Mm. You know, but then something happened. In 1965, something happened that would change my life forever. And I used to watch on television as the dogs and the water hoses Mm. were being turned loose on nonviolent protesters in the South. And those horrible images just filled me with rage. I couldn't understand for the life of me why those civil rights demonstrators wouldn't fight back. Mm. And for me, you know, I started to wake up and say that, okay, well, what was happening to me as a child was not right. You know, it wasn't right to be to go to the back of the bus. It wasn't back to drink for certain pounds. So I realized what segregation was at that particular time when the revolts came out. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if anyone, 
you know, old enough to can remember or read about that the 60s, that was a time when young people all across this country were breaking through racist barriers, we were opening up closed doors of opportunity, and we were raising critical questions about the unequal distribution of power and wealth in this country. So the 60s awakened me. And even though Martin Luther King spoke to me in a whisper, I disregarded his voice. But the voice of Malcolm X shouted out to me when he said, freedom by any means necessary. Mm. So my awakening took place out of the fires of the Watts Revolt back in 1965. And mm. my journey of revolutionary uh, intent, intention uh, took place. So that, that, that would be the point that would mark, I would mark my consciousness shift from, you know, who I was to become mm. the Watani I became. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, a lot of people even today who are not uh, conscious, um, it, that the, the Watch Rebellion was an example that um, even those who are not conscious should uh, a, a, a great uprising um, come into play that even those who are not conscious they know what side uh, you know what side they're on and 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 that will mobilize them and, and, and you know not to take on a you know um you know um and say that that's the only way because you know political education is important mobilizing the people uh the masses and in 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 the in the in the in the bigger realm is important but i'm just saying uh, when these major uprisings uh, come into play, even those who are not conscious, they spontaneously, they understand instinctively uh, what side they're on and, and, you know, and they side with the people in many cases. But, and that's a good example of it, that that kind of awakened you and it, it kind of uh, fueled uh, what was to become a, a life of revolution. You know, so that's a beautiful thing. And, and um, you know, since we're on the topic of, you know, uprisings, revolution during the time of the 60s, there, you know, there, there was also a lot of repression, uh, particularly, um, you know, from the state in the form of Cointelpro. Um, and, and, and some people may not, you know, there's excellent books out on Quintel Pro, I know um, agents of repression, of course, just a revolutionary gem, a, 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 you know, a, a required reading for anybody who's resisting, and that talks a lot about Quintel Pro. But let me ask you, for our listeners, somebody who's went through Quintel Pro repression, uh, somebody who's familiar with it, um, let me ask you, what is Quintel Pro, and how did they target you? Well, I think the, uh, when we're talking about COINTELPRO, it's good. To, well, first of all, first of all, I didn't understand the, the intent and the damage of COINTELPRO until after years after I went into exile and came back. So COINTELPRO started with it's the brainchild of uh, Jagger Hoover, who's uh, you know used to be was the head of the FBI, and it was originally targeting the Communist Party and other radical groups. Uh, at that time. Then during the 60s, he sort of shifted and put his focus on radical movements in the, in the United States, radical and revolutionary movements. He And, and so it, it was designed to uh, discredit, destroy, 
of the liberation movement in this in in, in this country, and he devised a variety of tactics to play organization against each other to character assassinate uh, leaders. I mean, he, uh, it's it's a wealth of, of of information on what they do. Matter of fact, you can get over ten thousand pages if you just Google it. But for myself, I was able to get my FBI file under the Freedom of Information Act wow. uh, back in '96. In '96, so I know, and I was trying to look through, you know, some of the pages and see they redacted a lot. Absolutely. But I know what meeting they were talking about, so I know the damage wow. that is done that even uh, it generates today, you know, mm. and uh, there's a whole, you know, I have a whole thing around uh, COINTELPRO, particularly uh, how I was targeted for it and how the misinformation has been regurgitated, mm. you know, and uh, so uh, I've been having a lot of conversation with different people that also, like I call myself, uh, Pro survivor rather mm. than a political prisoner even mm. though Pro survivor uh, also entails the political prisoner part but a political prisoner if, if I say, well, this is what I say if I call myself a political prisoner then once I'm out of prison that means what I'm an ex-political mm. prisoner former political prisoner mm. but if I say I'm a COINTELPRO Pro survivor. That means I have survived what the COINTELPRO tried to destroy. And a lot of a lot of people who were victims of COINTELPRO has either been driven and exiled, been put in prison, been uh, 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 eliminated. So COINTELPRO, COINTELPRO has done a damaging thing. So I say I'm a COINTELPRO survivor because that allows me to tell that part of the story. You know, and, you know, and it's a it's a whole chapter about what they have done, the damage they have done uh, by, you know, being back in prison. I've talked with a lot of people in prison, young men in prison, whom I know their fathers, you know, their, mm. their, their grandsons and nephews and great-grandsons of people that I knew were in the movement that even been, you know, subjected to what COINTELPRO has done to destroy and remove now the elders from mm. the from the community, so you want to talk, you know. So COINTELPRO is something that I'm really passionate about in terms of having a conversation, sharing information. I've mm. had, uh, uh, I know uh, the things that they have done. I know some of this, the the lingering, you know, uh, myth around it. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so COINTELPRO is something that I'm very passionate about. Uh, mm bring it to young people because it's not that COINTELPRO has stopped. They're still doing it. So, you know, so yes. not only do I share, like, some of the, the successes and the victories that we made, but also share some of the mistakes that we made so the young people won't be able to make those same mistakes because COINTELPRO is still active among the young yes. young people uh, in our society. So. Yes. And, and COINTELPRO, i just add, you know, the counterintelligence program, and you know they, they they use this program in order to uh, disrupt and destroy revolutionary groups, resistance, uh, those struggling for national liberation, and um, you know and, and 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 like you said, it continues today. I even you know I I know it also exists within the prisons, and it's another form of Quintel Pro where they, um, you know, lock people in these shoes, in these control units, 
Um, and, and just like they do out here, they, they, the Cointel Pro, you know, um, targeted certain individuals and by, you know, different means attempted to destroy them, destroy the, the family units by locking up the males, military-age males, um, leaving the women, you know, with the children. And as a result, as you said, the children you've met in prison, you know, and they're a product of Pro because their parents were targeted by this counterintelligence program and, and it just devastated the whole family lineage where, you know, even children and grandchildren are criminalized and so it's it's almost like um, uh, I would even uh, compare it to a, a legal for in a, a legalized form of um, the smallpox uh, blankets, where you know yeah you give this to them and it's gonna devastate them, their children, their grandchildren, disrupt their families. They can't you know and so this uh, form of criminalization is the same thing where. You know, they, they target the, the parents, the father or the mother, and then the children suffer and are criminalized. And then as a result, the grandchildren are criminalized and, and, and suffer. So it's, it's like you said, it's much deeper than just the surface, uh, you know, and it still exists. You know, um, you know, I, I, I remember, uh, re, you know, personally, I remember reading uh you know um doing time and reading about as you said the early uh beginnings of cointel pro where they would uh target uh, uh communists uh those uh, members of different political parties mm-hmm. and one of the tactics that i i read um is where they would go to the person's uh, place of employment mm-hmm. and tell their bosses and stuff that hey this guy's a, a communist, you know, this guy's a, a radical and get the person fired and then go to their landlord and tell their landlord, this person's a radical, this person and get him kicked out of there and basically disrupt their life. And, um, and, and, and the thing is that I remember, you know, years ago, I remember my PO going to my place of employment. And when I read this, it just, you know, all the blood drained out of my face when I read this because what, what my PO did one time is went to my place of employment uh, with the with the jacket on, law enforcement jacket with a pistol on the side of her hip, walks into the office and says, hey, uh, I'm here to see, uh, you know, um, so-and-so. And so, I, of course, I got fired, you know. So the thing is, when I was reading this book, this is after this had took place, and I just said, Oh, wow. I just seen the similarities and how, you know, um, they use the same tactics because these tactics come from the state. And it's the state, whether they're in uniform of the the police, whether they're in uniform of the FBI, whether they're in uniform of the parole department. It's all the state. These are all the state. And they use the same tactics. They go to trainings where they teach each other how to disrupt that they want somebody because you disrupt people's lives, they're more likely to, you know, um, do something that is easily, um, they're easily captured and, and put in prison. But one thing, okay, mm-hmm. let me just, just add one thing in there too, because I think this is important, that also what 
COINTELPRO has done in terms of disrupting the movement, uh, the, the liberation movement during the, the 60s and the 70s. What they've done, they've removed, they eliminated people, drove them in exile and locked them up in prison. So most of the elders are gone. So what they did, they left the vacuum Mm. in the community and in that vacuum always have to be filled you know whether we're talking about uh, Libya what they did there removed mm. them and later when we talk about Iraq so mm. the same thing happened so it's not a mystery where the the rise of the bloods and the crips come in it came because there was a vacuum in the community because they disrupted they removed all the elders from the communities and they disrupted the family they changed up the whole thing they mm. infiltrated they, they, they infiltrated mm. they proliferated with weapons and guns so this whole thing is not a mystery that's why mm. I'm, I'm i'm very passionate about history because if you know the history you remove the mystery and mm. this is important because that vacuum had to be filled. That's why I was surprised when I got to prison for my return to prison. When I went to prison and I talked with these young men and I found out that that's what happened. They removed their father. The first time mm. they even meet their father were in prison. Can you imagine mm. that? When I was in prison back in the 70s, very rarely you see fathers and sons in mm. prison. But a lot of times now when I got back, I see that sons are following their fathers and meet their their fathers for the first time in prison. Very and most common. of those have been removed because that vacuum was created in our community and it's real. So it's not a not a mystery if we mm. look at it in, in, in terms of how this come about. And you did twenty six years in prison, right? And and you were in exile. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? You were in exile. Where where were you in exile at? Well, okay, first I left, I escaped from prison in 74, and I lived in, in a country called uh, Suriname. It, was, it used to be Dutch Guiana. I was in Guyana, which is the mm. British part, for six years, but I was in uh, Suriname for 14 years, and that's when I, you know, I walked into a military coup and had a civil war, so it mm. was reasons why I came back. Not that they came in capture wow. me and everything like that but they had a military coup in the country that I went to in the mm. civil war and I feared for the safety of my wife and my children so I volunteered returned to prison because I wanted a better life for them that's why I understand this whole question of immigration mm. I didn't come back to prison because I love prison I came back because I love my children more than I hated my incarceration mm. and a lot of people leaving their country don't come here because they you know they 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 necessarily love this country it's because of of the condition there and also it's also a look at the external condition because the US has imposed restrictions and economic sanctions and 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 cripple those countries so i know a lot about i learned a lot while i was there about the imf about the mm. structural adjustment program how it can force the government to cut back on its public health spending mm. you have a decline in sanitation so people would leave for a reason so i came back after uh being gone for 20 years going back to prison with a life sentence mm. not because i love prison definitely definitely and mm. it wasn't an easy decision for me but because I wanted a better for my, my, my wife and my children. So I understand the question of immigration. It's not a mystery to me, and it's mm. not uh, any kind of way. I know why people mm. would leave and come to this country. And some people who are, you know, they're not educated on that aspect. They, they think, why would you come? You, you know you're going to go to jail. But in their eyes, they're saying, I'd rather go and put me in an ICE 
detention concentration camp, but I know my children are going to be able to be there and, and, and be able to, um, you know, be in a better situation than they were in their country. And the only reason why, um, you know, the, these third world countries are in the situation they're in, economically depressed and um, suffer so much is because uh, for the large part, it's because of U.S. imperialism uh, exploiting their resources and, you know, going over there and bribing the leaders and taking the resources and bringing these corporations, these parasitic corporations that just, you know, act like vampires in these countries and leave them high and dry. So they devastate these countries economically, politically, socially, and then when they leave and leave it like a corpse and the people begin to, you know what, we, we can't do nothing here. We can't survive. We can't. And then when they, uh, you know, they go into these countries and they uh, neutralize uh, the, the revolutionary leaders within these countries so they could prop up their puppet uh, leaders in there. Then it, be, it it creates a vacuum like you talked about, and what fills them vacuums like we see in Central America, you know, are, are just, you know, people, they're trying to uh, survive by any means necessary, and then they're creating worse conditions as well. So it's just a constant thing that goes on all over the world, and uh, it, it's just, you know, it, it, it's a horrible thing, but, you know, we know the root cause, and, you know, and that's, that's U.S. imperialism, but... Let me let me ask. Um, we're speaking about prisons. Did prison strengthen or weaken your ideas of revolutionary struggle? Well, it definitely didn't weaken it. That's for sure. Uh, I had a lot to learn after being out of the country for twenty years. So mm. my first part was learning, and you know, the more you you learn, you know, the more you see what's going on with the country, and you see like what. Say, for instance, when I when I left uh, back in 1974, the prison, you know, population was less than 200,000, mm. and it was only right. It was only six prisons in the state of California. When I come back, it's 33, and the prison population today is like 2.3 million. So yes. you can imagine the the the, the change, you know, mm. of it. So learning about about that and seeing what happened. You know, seeing, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the, the children who I consider like collateral damage of the criminal justice system, seeing what happens to them, how the system oppresses them and seeing, you know, and also being, you know, energized by some of the, 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 the conversation that young people are having and the challenge that they're making. And it's almost like I left, you know, 20 years and I came back to a society that was just as oppressive as mm. I as I left, you know, and and I, now I'm in prison now. So leaving and coming back and seeing what's what's going on to our young people, that, that to me it didn't, you know, discourage me. You know, it didn't uh, put me in a situation where I, uh, you know, uh, that 
you know, I, I wanted to, to, to give up. I wanted to know more. I know that now I'm in this older body and I'm not mm. the young revolution, but I have some wisdom that I mm. can pass on to the next generation. So my thing is, how can we pass the historical baton on to the next generation? So, and I, you know, I was doing that while I was in prison for those 21 years. Because mm. they kept me another 21 years after I got back because they was mad because I left without permission. So they stuck me another 21 years. And during that 21 years, you know, I... You know, I, I I did a lot to try to figure out what's going because I left during the you know the radical period. Mm -hmm. I went international and you know it's almost like the revolution moved to international mm -hmm. level. But coming back, I saw the devastation of it, and I wanted to know why. So that's why I say you know I always talk about history because you know if, if I don't things just don't just emerge out of nowhere. They have to mm -hmm. come from somewhere. So I I. Uh, you know, I did a lot of reading. Mm. I had a lot of conversation with young people. I, you know, a lot of young people, they think they're learning a lot from me, maybe, but I'm learning so much more from mm. them, you know. And uh, so this is what, this is what my thing. So no, if you're going to say that, I'm not, you know, I, to me, you know, I, I will never give up. I will never give out and I will never give in. And that's mm. been my thing. I mean, I mean, this, you know, after going through all that, I feel sort of, uh, emboldened in a sense, mm -hmm. I say, look, you did all this to me. COINTELPRO did, did his best bet, you know, ran me out of the country, destroyed mm -hmm. my family, you know, uh, uh, set organizations against each other, people died. So even you did all that, and I can come out of prison, and I can say, you're still unjust. I can still mm -hmm. stand up, and I can still pass on, you know, this torch to the younger generation. I can have that conversation and be willing to, to learn, because I think humility is mm -hmm. very important, you know, because humility... From the masses to the masses. There you go. There you go. That's exactly. So this has been... So, no. So, to answer your question in the short thing, no, it didn't. Uh, I, I don't think it weakened me. I think it made me a little more wise and hipper to what is going on. And uh, I'm learning uh, what how important humility is in moving forward. Mm, absolutely. And, 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 you know, prison, you know, a lot of people have developed politically in prison. And, you know, so prison to me seems like, you know, um, we're out here, there's so many things to bribe people and to, you know, you, you soften people up out here and there's so much diversion and so much um, temptation uh, from the empire uh, and, and so many things that take people's uh, focus off of uh, the, the struggle. Um, but prison you know, gives us a, a concrete example of what um, an oppressor nation does to oppressed nations because most people in prison are, you know, black and brown people. You know, this is the majority of prisons. And, you know, I, I it just blew my mind when I went to the shoe. I remember 80-something um, percent of the prisoners held there were Chicano prisoners. Mm -hmm. And that blew my mind but to many people um it was normal it's like normal you know you go to the hole it's normal you see everybody but that's not normal and and so those are concrete examples you know we look at death row majority black populated you know uh, um you know and, and 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 you know the statistics tell us that 
you know, white people commit more crimes than brown and black people. So, but here they have uh, mostly black people in death rows and mostly uh, brown people in the shoes. And so it, it, it just, um, you know, it, 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 it shows us that's a, a concrete example of, uh, uh, you know, colonized people and how the colonizer treats um, those it's colonizing. It's it's a horrible thing, you know, but I, I agree with you that, you know, prison um, would only strengthen people. I mean, of course, some succumb yeah. to the, the repression in there and then they become, um, you know, self-defeated and they begin to do things that's, um, you know, basically suicidal, um, you know, uh, tendencies where they resort to this or that in order to um, deal with the, you know, oppression that they're dealing with. But, you know, for, for, for those who go through it as you have, oh, it's it's a powerful thing because just as you said, the state did this, they did that, and they couldn't break you. So that's, a, 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 you know, it, you just, it, it's almost like they forge you, forge you into something that's even stronger. And that's a beautiful thing, but you know, I know now you've been out uh, for a little bit, and you're working with the organization, um, um, you know, that I also work with as well, California Prison Focus, uh, beautiful organization. You know, they they um, you know I learned a lot when I was in there. Um, you know, um, they published some of my articles. They would ha I would learn the the legal articles they had um they focused their time and energies into um you know providing um you know nourishment uh to those who are held in these concentration camps but let me ask you um what is prison focus what what is prison focus about California prison focus really started back in the 80s i'm not sure exactly they and they primary focus was to end solitary confinement, you know, put the light on solitary confinement because it was becoming, you know, outrageous. It was locking up people. It had to, so so that was a, the main focus. So And they also have a newspaper, which you're familiar with, and mm. quite a few people. And, that, and that's it. what really drew me to California Prison Focus. Because I used to write, in, uh, at, when I was in San Quentin, I had a column called An OG's Perspective. Mm. And that OG's Perspective was a column that I used to have conversation with young people about male-female relationship, about, you know, the system, about violence about just a whole range of things and then I would frame it in a, in a, a column and we would have mm -hmm. a conversation on that so uh, after reading California Prison Focus and going to a uh, few meetings I um, you know I, I, I'm now the, the, the associate editor mm -hmm. you know so I have some articles that I also have and they're trying to get a, a, a column together but California mm -hmm. Prison Focus has been primarily for uh, you know, focuses on solitary confinement because everybody have an area of interest and area of focus. Mm -hmm. Well, that was uh, California prison focus, focus. But now there's a uh, you know there's you know of course the a lot of people have been released under the Asker decision, being mm -hmm. released from uh, solitary confinement. So there's other issues, not 
you know, neglecting uh, solitary confinement and men are still being locked up and the things that they haven't been honoring. But uh, that's what it is. And, and the focus of it is really to try to bring out the voices that are in, in inside of a solitary confinement and prison. So so mm. this is this is my 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 role in it is uh, dealing with that and also trying to uh, start a storytelling collective, trying to provide uh, mm. you know services and support for people being released, trying to mm. devise programs so that people coming out of solitary confinement would you know find their way because you lock somebody up 30, 40 years and then you expect them to you know go to the parole board and and say something is is this is this ludicrous? So it is, yeah. It is. It is. And, you know, um, you know, I'm glad that, you know, you're working with that group. I I love working with Prison Focus. Great organization. But, you know, we're going to take a short break right now with Tani. We'll we'll listen to some music and, uh, you know, kick back and reminisce on, you know, you know, uh, you know, our situation now uh, as opposed to what it was in the last, you know, few years or so. So we'll we'll come back and uh, we're going to take a short break. This is 96.1 FMLP, Poll People's Revolutionary Radio. And this is JV. You're listening to Free Aslan.
96.1 FM, Pole People's Revolutionary Radio. This is JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. And uh, so we're back with Watani, and, um, you know, now we're looking at, you know, Watani's been out for a few years now, and um, let me ask you, Watani, so uh, tell us about, and I know because I, I visited the home, a beautiful place, but for the listeners who don't know, tell us about the home you were paroled to. Okay, well, the, well let's say the, the home that I was paroled to was a transitional housing. I had to do that six, it was a six months, uh, you know, reentry program mm. that was on, well, it's in Oakland. Uh, so that was the first one, and uh, the home that I ended up going to was a place in uh, in Oakland, in the Fruitvale District, if you know where that is, in the Fruitvale District, and it's a an intentional community. It's called Canticle Farm, mm. and Canticle Farm is a uh, you know it's to try to describe it. I have to use you know certain words because it's sort of this interconnection of uh, of uh, social justice, environmentalists, and and spiritualities that sort of weave together, and uh, they have six houses on the property and a huge garden where they plant food and they, mm. they interact with the community, shared food. We have community meals, and the house that I'm in is a house that's really reserved for for uh, uh, formerly incarcerated uh, men, and uh, I'm I'm there with three other. Formerly incarcerated men, and we do social justice work. We do work outside of Canonical Farm. Like I do a lot of speaking in at university. I love high school students. That's my favorite, mm-hmm. and other other groups have with conversations. Uh, so that so my work outside is is full, and I really enjoy doing that. Uh, at Canonical Farm, we also have uh, students coming in, and we have mm-hmm. like circles and storytelling is something that I do. Yeah. As an elder, I, I tell stories and have conversations with young people. Uh, if there's an issue, like people getting out of prison, we, we have not just them, but also their their family, their children mm. to come. And we share wow. some of the experiences and the challenges and stuff that we have. So to try to explain it, it'll take me a while because it's such a place you have to come to visit it to really see. You have people. to experience it to you feel it, have to really feel it. Yeah, and I've been there for uh, three, three and a half years. Sake, the first wow. six months was in this other place, but mm. uh, and this 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 woman, uh, and she used to be with the Catholic workers. She had this vision about, you know, uh, mm. tearing down the, the fences. Every time she accumulated a house, she tear mm. down the fence and use it to build uh, wow. a garden. And then the food we have, we also uh, provide it free for the community mm. to come every week and and, wow. and partake. Community meals. We want a meal. We have uh, a place where you can meditate. People in uh, Buddhism. We have uh, the work, the house that uh, uh, work that reconnect. Um, uh, it's just it's just a range of things, and we collaborate with a lot of other people who come in. We have visitors coming from from uh, Hawaii. They come in from various places. Mm. That's, so that's my base. Outside of it, mm. I work with, I'm on the board of uh, Root and Rebound, which is, mm. uh, you know, a reentry uh, yes. program, and they're doing a lot of policy work. I just came back from a, a Next Generation uh, Fellowship, you know, uh, and that was, that was you know, working with Milpa and a few other mm. organizations. There's a very 
very active. So my life, particularly since I've been off of parole, has been very active. I've been traveling and going places. Wherever young people are, I go. You know, I, I don't hesitate. I try to, you know, I make that my point. So whatever mm-hmm. amount of years yeah. I have left, that's what I dedicate mm-hmm. my life in, in terms of uh, connecting and having that conversation and sharing what I have with young people and learning from them. And the youth are our future, so it's a very important, and it, it, it's a very beautiful, th- you can't even describe how beautiful it is to help others and, and, and to educate others. That's the most fulfilling uh, thing in the world to know that um, you're helping to build the next generation. Uh, and, and, and Canticle Farms, I've been there and I got the tour and anybody in the Oakland area should go check it out. Uh, Google it, check it out, yes. go over there. It, it's just a beautiful, peaceful, serene place um, of people resisting in a beautiful way, uh, you know, um, through collaboration and cooperation uh, with one another and um, and the community. And, and, and it's, you know, it, it reminds me a lot. It's very similar. It, remi- it reminds me a lot about Poor Magazine, who mm. they do a lot of good work right. and work with the community, too. And, um, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, it's indescribable when you um, mm-hmm. dedicate yourself to the people and, and, and give, uh, you know, give give your all to the people. It's, it's a beautiful experience. But let me let me um, let me get in real quick and say, um, you know, just ask. Uh, you know, you talked about Canticle Farms and some of the things you, you're, you're working on and stuff. What are some upcoming projects you're working on? Not necessarily what, what you're, you're, you're working on today, but mm-hmm. some of the, you know, future projects that you, you may want to share, one or two. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's, 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 that's good because uh, this question has always been asked, particularly one thing. That I'm writing in my memoir. I've been working on mm-hmm. it for and I'm almost... It's 12 years, I can say. I'm just finishing it now. I call uh, uh, to stumble is not to fall. And to, that comes from an African proverb that says, to stumble is not to fall, only to move forward faster. And that mm. pretty much outlined my life that even though we stumble, we make mistakes, we we wipe off the blood of our face and we continue to move forward. And that's what I, that's what I do. Like whenever I, uh, you know, open up with, with, with young people, I always open up with a, with a, with a say honor honor the ancestors i say you know whenever we gather we must always acknowledge and celebrate our struggles for justice in this country mm. you know let us honor first the ancestors the messengers the openers of the way forward the freedom fighters the self-sacrifices mm. great and small you know and uh, you know and also talk about you know that we must uh, also pay homage to the memory of our ancestors you know and c- by continuing the struggle you know, so mm. th- this is a way we 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 honor the because you know our generation stood on the shoulders of the generation that came before us. Mm. You know, and and this is how we have to keep moving forward by recognizing you know what came before us and connecting with it and moving forward until uh, struggles were because you know uh, uh, everywhere is our battleground and yeah, every day it must be our call for struggle. Mm. Absolutely, and 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 speaking of struggle, let's you know let's talk about when it comes to um, the prison movement. You know, because there's the movement out here, but there's also the prison movement, and there's those within the prisons 
who were struggling for liberation as well. Some were captured from out here and continued the struggle. Some developed in prison and began to struggle. But, you know, how have you seen the prison movement develop from when you went into prison to when right before you got released from prison? Okay. When I when I went into prison, you know, you, of course, whenever you in in a prison setting, you have a variety of different people. Some are, you know, motivated by politics. Others, you know, politics and culture. Uh, some get into religion, you know. But for me, I've seen since I've come out of prison as well that, you know, a lot of people are now are leaving, coming out of prison, and those who are coming out of prison are. Forced to be reckoned mm. with, they are mm. they are, they are not just getting out of prison and turning their back on those in prison, mm-hmm. as I would never do, and they mm-hmm. have not. And so I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by the people, the number of people that are getting out, and the number of people that are really finding ways how they can reach back and not forgetting what happened. You know, forgetting those who have been left behind, and Absolutely. that's amazing. Absolutely. So the prison has. You know, I, I've seen the development inside, but, mm. you know, for a long time, you, you know, that they, they weren't letting any of mm. us out. We've been in there and said, only way you get out is through a pine box. So Absolutely. a lot of time, but even in, the, in, the, in, in that uh, moment or those times of despair, people haven't given up. They've still been studying. Mm. And so now they're ripe and they're out mm. and they're not turning their back yes, on the people yes, inside. So yes. that's encouraging for me. Yes, and, and, and I, I, I like to see, I like to say that, you know, um, from all of the groups, there's many, several groups, right, that dedicate their time, their energies, uh, different organizations dedicate their energies to prisoners in many different ways, yeah. whether it's literature, whether it's uh, political and education, whether it's uh, many different things. And I would say that... Um, you know, we're barely, we're starting to see uh, the fruit bear from all of that struggle that these organizations, groups, political parties, etc., have been working so hard for so many decades. And now we're barely start. you know, we're starting to see the fruit of this bear. And, and, and just like you said, when you see people getting out, and instead of getting out, you know what, um, you know, I'm going to get mines and the hell with everybody else. You know, uh, uh, you're, you're starting to see people get out from prison and join the struggle full force. So these are the, the fruits that are bearing um, because it was, uh, you know, for all of these organizations uh, outside and inside who continue to struggle and to continue to teach, as you said, teach the young people. And people are becoming um, educated and politicized and revolutionized inside the prisons. And that's what the state don't want. That's why I believe they start changing these laws to start letting people out, change, you know, shut down the shoe. Because the shoe started creating people who were resisting. People who had time to sit there and collaborate and study and create different uh, independent institutions revolutionary institutions create these groups create these um resistance struggles inside prisons and 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 some of these materialized into what we've seen with the hunger strikes and all of this that weren't seen in decades 
and said so the the state sees this and they mm. you know and, and and they have to you know what let's let these guys out because they're starting to create something that we ain't gonna be able to stop let's let them out put them on the main lines and try to bribe them and 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 see if they um you know become uh you know um you know engaged in other activities that are anti-people so you know they 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 you know they they shut down the shoes because the shoes started becoming classrooms people started to learn study struggle Mm -hmm. resist and and develop and and that's the state hates that more than it hates us you know because yeah they you know so and just like and just like uh, you know like you're saying that and that's why i think the lessons of COINTELPRO are so important mm-hmm. here, too, because uh, even, like you said, they're starting to release people. Remember, they weren't letting people out there. They started no to release one. people. So now the state is trying to get involved in this mm-hmm. whole reentry program. So that's uh, something else we have to also pay attention to yes. and watch where, you know, people are juggling for, for mm-hmm. money and positions. But the state is trying to get in involved in that same process, and that's the means of trying to not only maintain the profit, but also trying to to uh, divide us. Mm, yeah, and, and and I would say the reentry. You know, the state has their reentry, uh, but the people need our own reentry programs. And I see Canticle Farms as kind of a people's reentry program. You know, and 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 I see some of the work that a lot of other organizations are doing as a reentry, where um, the people offer. Uh, programs and and you know when you teach you learn just like you said and 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 to have organizations that provide uh, forums where those who suffer oppression can now turn around and teach others and that's a healing thing that's uh, part of re-education um, being able to teach others um, what you learned and 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 that's strengthening your understanding of your social reality and that's very important in the healing process. But let me ask you, um, we're, we're starting to run out of time, but let, let me ask you, I, I wanted to hear um, quickly, why is liberation as important today as it was decades ago? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the, the, the main reason because freedom had not been achieved Ooh. yet. So yes. liberation is will, will continue as long as freedom, justice, and reparations and equality mm. is not not achieved. So, mm. you know, so that question, you know, begs. You can ask the first time, why haven't we achieved, you know, justice? Why haven't mm. we, we achieved the things that we need in order to survive and be productive? Mm. You know how? You know, so those that question of liberation until that happened. Everywhere mm. must be our battle line, and every Absolutely. day got to be our, our day for struggle. So Frontline soldiers. Yeah. So, yes, yes. So, um, you know, we, we, we just like you said, we, we still haven't got freedom, and we're going to continue to resist until we are free. So free the people and free the land. And, and before I go, let me say... If people want to get involved with Canticle Farms, California Prison Focus, or get in touch with you and learn more about Quintel Pro and all the struggles you went through, how can people get involved in what you're doing? Um, do you, is there any contact info? Oh, well, uh, you can, well, I can give you my email address because I, I don't have the, you can Google, That's I guess, Canticle Farm. Let me give you the email. It's, okay. it's Watani, W-A-T-A-N-I, dot Steiner, S-T-I-N-E-R, at gmail.com. If you do that, then I can put you on to the canonical form uh, um, 
website and also uh, the California Prison Focus or Ruth and Rebound, uh, you know, and a number of other uh, organizations that I'm affiliated with. Millpas and is another one. So, yeah. So that 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 would be a connection to that because I don't have all the numbers. No, that's my fine. Head. That's okay. that's perfect right there. And you know, with Tani, I, I remember when I first met you. And even before I knew your background, I just knew that um, I, I seen that uh, what what you were doing at Canticle Farms. I seen how it was um, affecting you in a positive way. I seen your love for the people, and I seen your understanding uh, of the oppressor and the repression that not only you faced in your life, but you know uh, those oppressed within these false U.S. borders have suffered under and, and i seen that um you know that that you did have love for the people and i knew from the beginning that being you were going to get along very well and uh you know and, and i'm glad that you came on to free aslan and, and shared your your story with the listeners you know it's a story that you know the state has done uh for many years to many of us uh, and, 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 and will continue to do so we have to learn from history and this is why I brought you to Free Aslan so we can learn from you because you're a part of history as well and, uh, and, and that, that's it for today's show thank, uh, you. thank you Watani for coming thank you. to Free thank Aslan you. I really appreciate you absolutely and this is 96.1 FM LP Pole People's Revolutionary Radio this is JV and you're listening to Free Aslan <laughs>